Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200. Hello everyone, this is Ryan, host and executive producer of the Out of Limits of Tooth Radio Show. I just want to let you know that we're airing two shows tonight. The first one's going to be on Miss Rosemary Ellen Guiley. That's a show on this particular uh, track. The other show we're going to do is a remastered version of the forensic soul analysis we did on Jesus Christ. It's one of our most popular shows, but actually a lot of people did not hear it. Our audience has grown so much in the past three years that many people will be hearing it for the first time tonight. So I want to let you know that. I want to let you know that next week we're going to be airing our second annual Christmas show. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Love all your support. And let us begin tonight's program. Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we're going to feature an interview with Miss Rosemary Ellen Guiley. She's an author of 60 books, metaphysical teacher. There's a lot to cover with her. She offers a lot of great inside information. We're going to ask her a lot of questions about uh, your, you know, how to evolve, grow, tips, advice. There's so much to cover. The Outer Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show proudly presents an introspective interview with Miss Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Our guest today on the Outer Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show is Miss Rosemary Ellen Guiley. She's a leading expert in the metaphysical paranormal fields with more than 60 books published on paranormal, spiritual, and metaphysical topics, including nine single-volume encyclopedias and reference works. You can learn more about Miss Guiley by going to her website at VisionaryLiving.com. Miss Scarley, great honor. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, Ryan. It's a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. 60 books written. So that's probably 59 more books than the average person has read in their lifetimes. How did you write so many books? What was the creative inspiration for writing so many books? Well, I think I was a born writer, Ryan. I, I joke. Uh, often that I literally came out of the womb with a manuscript in mid-progress, and I've been writing my entire life. Uh, so I had a, a career in creative writing and journalism, and uh, from 1983 onward as an author and now independent publisher as well as an author. And uh, my passion is the paranormal, the paranormal, the metaphysical, uh, strange phenomena, spiritual development, and so it's it's my passion to write about these things, and um, there's just always new things to discover. All right. When it comes to paranormal, you talk to people, and I think most people would say that you know they had a gut feeling or a bad feeling or a good feeling that something would happen, and they kind of just write it off and they kind of dismiss it as normal. Yet it seems to be a visual description of extrasensory perception. What do you think is the line between what people perceive as accepted? forms of paranormal or ESP and other forms that are maybe met with more skepticism? Well, in terms of the intuition and the gut instinct, 
it all boils down to one thing. It's psychic ability, and everybody is born with it. Uh, the term psychic makes some people feel uncomfortable. They associate it with fortune tellers and um, perhaps magical rituals, uh, whereas the intuition is a much safer word. It's uh, acceptable in corporate circles and things like that, but it all boils down to the same skill, your ability to uh, sense things beyond the five senses in ter uh, terms of um, seeing, hearing, feeling, even tasting. And uh, these could be uh, your ability to see opportunities that haven't manifested or know something that's going to happen before it happens or uh, you're able to assess situations and people without having uh, facts and figures in front of you, but your psychic sense tells you uh, in very uh, clear terms what, what's going on. And very successful people use this ability to their success. Uh, and they may call it uh, gut hunches, instinct, fly by the seat of my pants, um, my lucky stars, however you want to describe it. It all boils down to psychic power. Okay. gentleman named Malcolm Gladwell wrote a great book called Blink, and he talked about a technique called thin slicing, which means that people think without even really thinking, and they can come and come to a conclusion maybe based on doing the same project or same action several times, and it naturally comes to them. So I'm wondering what the difference between intuition is and the ability of coming to a conclusion based on doing something so many times and having a logical familiarity to it. Uh, I'm not real familiar with his research, so okay. uh, I'm going to have to speculate there. But um, naturally, the more familiar we are with uh, information, with fields, with with skills, um, that's going to play into um, your expanded uh, sense involving your intuition and skill. For example, athletes. Uh, it's been well documented among athletes that uh, at certain times, they seem to find themselves in, in what's called the zone. And they may have practiced and practiced and practiced their skill over and over again, but there are times when they are vaulted into um, a timelessness where uh, a psychic faculty takes over and um, they can see, sense, feel, and experience things literally beyond the five senses. So uh, the fact that, that they've just repeated their uh, skill training over and over again doesn't really explain, adequately explain, why these moments happen. Uh, these were well documented in the 1970s by Michael Murphy in a book called Golf in the Kingdom and then by Rio um, White and Michael Murphy in uh, a, a follow-up book that really looked at called In the Zone. And those apply uh, to anyone who um, has a skill set, uh, even to writers. You know, writers talk about getting in the zone. Uh, corporate executives can be in the zone, inventors, scientists. Um, we can all enter that, that state of being beyond time and space where things become crystal clear to us, where we see things that weren't obvious to us before. And uh, our familiarity with those topics and skills uh, simply adds to uh, that particular breakthrough. Sure. What have you found in your experience are some of the ways that a person can enhance their intuition? And also, what are some of the ways that people can trigger themselves quickly into being more intuitive? 
practice, 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 of course. Uh, you know, that old adage, Ryan, uh, when we do things over and over again, um, that builds up a, a, a skill, too. And having a daily practice of meditation, I recommend that to everyone because it, it builds our spiritual conditioning, it strengthens the aura, it connects us to spirit, and it also makes us more predisposed to um, being receptive to intuition or psychic ability, however you want to describe it. And then there are lots of just really skill-building exercises that you can do. And I've done so many of them over the years. I compiled them all into a book called Guide to Psychic Power, uh, which is uh, a self-study uh, way of literally working the muscle of every single psychic sense uh, involving all of the five senses. I also recommend to people that if, if they really want to go deeply into uh, developing their ability to take some uh, at least beginning courses in energy healing. Because when you learn energy healing, you are sensing things that are not physical. And uh, most energy healing systems have a very organized ways of training you how to open up and uh, gather information psychically and then validate the accuracy of that, and then also how to keep your your boundaries closed so that you're not unduly impinged by things that you don't want intruding on you. So there are, there are lots of ways to go about it, but um, there's no, uh, like, instant way to uh, suddenly become wildly psychic. And most people, when they have uh, intuitive-slash-psychic flashes, and we all get them from time to time, uh, there's an immediate and natural reaction to dismiss it, ignore it, or question it because it goes against everything the left brain wants wants to deal with, which is facts and figures and the woulds and the shoulds. Uh, and uh, so the psychic uh, insight will frequently work against that grain. And uh, we have to learn how to pay attention to how we receive our information. It's different for everybody. We don't all get uh, psychic signals in exactly the same way. So we have to practice and uh, figure out how our particular uh, psychic voice um, makes itself known to us and act on it uh, so that we can build up a confidence in it. Uh, so many times people wait for some big crisis in life and they've suddenly got to know exactly what to do and they're paralyzed. It's difficult for them to make a decision because they can't see things clearly. And uh, this is where that particular skill comes into a great advantage. Uh, and uh, if if we spend the time to nurture it, to, to use it on a, a daily basis and things that aren't crisis-oriented, then when something major comes along, then we do have the confidence to, uh, to rely on what our higher senses are telling us. Okay. What is the difference? How can people tell the difference between a message that is coming to them that is pure and one that is being filtered through their ego. How do they know that they're being uh, facilitating or getting a genuine message from the spirit and not one coming through their mind? And also, let me add a third element there, not coming through a malicious being posing as an angelic being. Uh, well, uh, it's quite understandable how people might mistake ego-driven um, information or what seems to be messages or certainties as opposed to the intuition. The only way you're going to sort that out is through 
um, experiencing, paying attention to uh, what you feel is your intuition, and then acting on it. Uh, that's really the only way to figure it out. Um, usually the ego-driven voice is full of I shoulds and I, I must uh, and uh, these sorts of um, um, you know, weighted uh, ki- kinds of things that operate in our head all the time. You know, we have to do something because somebody expects us to or because we're um, dead set on a certain course of action. And the intuitive voice will often steer us in another direction. Well, unless you pay attention to that voice and act on it, uh, you don't have your own information set in terms of uh, which is accurate and which is not. But every single one of us walking around on this planet has had an experience where something has blown up in our faces and we've said, I knew it was going to happen that way. I knew it wasn't going to work out. We got the information and we decided to ignore it. So paying attention to those situations can help us figure out exactly how uh, our, uh, our inner guidance is working. Many people get very strong physical signals. And so you have to pay attention to them. Um, quite a bit goes on in the gut, which is quite why it's called the gut instinct. And uh, bad feelings, nausea, tension, feeling like you've been sucker punched, um, that's the intuition telling you that something is not a very good idea. Um, something that's a little more expansive, like a tingling, um, a, a lightness, um, an energy, a buzzing sort of energy, might indicate to someone that something is, is really a good idea. But uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, we all get our information in ways that are unique to us. There are general ways that people get information, but no two people uh, are exactly the same. And so we just have to pay attention, act on it, and start to figure it out. Ms. Kelly, if you look at the um, average American, you see how big and fat they are. Are you surprised that more Americans or overwhelming majority of Americans aren't psychic? Because they figure they would have a lot of gut feelings because they seem to have a big gut. Well, I don't don't think the size of uh, <laughs> one's girth has anything to do oh, with, I was just, I was with just psychic ability. What about your background? How did you become passionate about the paranormal and did you have any experiences when you were a, a child that would you know, really exacerbate your creativity or exacerbate your um, curiosity? Well, I did have experiences. I, I think um, virtually every child does. Uh, children are very open and highly imaginative and uh, the fact that they uh, spend a, a lot of time in creative playtime uh, makes them predisposed to uh, a lot of psychic input. And, of course, it it varies. There are psychic wonderkins who uh, have um, lots of encounters with the dead, for example, at a very early age. Um, But most of us have had um, at least more than one experience by the time we hit adulthood. And uh, I had experiences uh, primarily with angels and fairies. I didn't see dead people until I got much older, uh, until I was in my early adulthood. And um, my mother had a lot of psychic ability, and she had spirit visitations, and um, she was um, uh, a very prolific psychic dreamer with uh, uh, premonitory dreams, usually bad things that were going to happen. 
And um, these sorts of things stimulated my interest in terms of what was going on. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you think everybody has uh, shares the same sets of experiences. And um, it it was, um, you know, astonishing to me to find out that not everybody does when it comes to psychic things and that uh, some people are very skeptical and, and even in denial about these sorts of things and that it's um, that they aren't real. And so that propelled a lot of my curiosity to learn more about what was going on because I knew I was having experiences and uh, I did not consider them to be uh, imagination or hallucination or fantasy. They were part of an extended reality that uh, operated beyond the physical world. And, of course, I didn't articulate that when I was a lot younger, but um, it, it did fuel a lot of my interest in terms of uh, what's going on here and uh, how, um, how widespread are these experiences and how can we validate them. Okay, and as far as premonition goes, did you ever have any major premonition in your life that came true and it really shocked you? And also, in the same token, have you had any other premonitions about events that will likely occur in the in the U.S. and the world? Uh, I don't really operate on a world uh, scale. Um, I, For example, I never really had the uh, premonitory dreams that um, my mother had, and neither did my sister, uh, although she has psychic ability as well. And uh, in each of us, that ability has uh, played out in, in different ways for us. Um, so um, I have not anticipated uh, world cataclysmic events, um, and um, the premonitions that I've had are more on a scale um, relative to my personal life. And, uh, you know, I've had many over the course of of years, and some of them I've ignored uh, to my detriment, and uh, some of them I've paid attention to to my benefit. And I think all of us are in those positions all the time where... um, you know, if we're, if we're really going to, to benefit the most from the intuitive voice, we do have to be prepared to listen to us. And uh, when experience demonstrates to us that we got the guidance and we chose to ignore it and it didn't, things then didn't work out well for us, then, well, that's a lesson learned. Is there anything that you've, I guess, determined that, can, that would sense that um, would give you an idea that events that could have happened didn't happen? Like, did you ever have a sense or feeling that our trajectory of humanity was going to go down some dark path, or do we have a chance of, collectively speaking, going down on a lighter path, but we're going on a dark path? I guess I'm curious to know uh, how often uh, uh, the fate can be changed, or if it is something that can be locked in for the greater soul purpose. Uh, well, I think things are quite malleable, and uh, yet there might be certain destinies that are set. Um, and uh, we may not know the how or why of it, but uh, otherwise uh, events are constantly in motion. They are forces in motion, and forces in motion head in certain directions, and um, if nothing alters that sense of direction, then you can start to anticipate certain kinds of outcome. 
so our little bubble consciousness bubble of the individual uh, is in uh, a, a force in motion at play all the time with everything else going on in the cosmos. And um, this is one of the reasons why all of the great mystics have always stressed the importance of collective thought, that collective thought unifies a force in motion toward a certain goal. Uh, and so whether or not certain events um, come to pass depends upon this very complicated um, set of forces in motion at any given time. And I think that when, for example, uh, let's say there's a catastrophe that uh, that happens, that uh, it's like an airplane roll. Uh, there's a certain point where the forces in motion have passed the point of no return and the event is going to happen. Uh, and it's at that point when many people start picking up on things psychically. They start seeing it, feeling it, anticipating it. Uh, and uh, this has been borne out in uh, um, retro studies of, of major disasters. At what point did you feel that this event or know for certainty that this event was going to happen. Usually that's within two or three days of the actual event. There's another window of um, uh, uh, perception that extends into the two to three week time frame. And then beyond that, uh, it's very unusual to find masses of people anticipating something way, way out uh, from the actual event itself. And I think it's because there are just too many forces in play. And uh, I do readings, and uh, I always tell clients when they ask if something's going to happen, my feeling of a reading, or at least the readings I do, we're looking at a time frame in linear time, 6 to 12 months. And beyond 12 months, there have been so many changes in the forces in motion that you really need to take another look at things. You might even need to take another look at things uh, much sooner than that because so many things will have shifted based upon people's actions, their thoughts, and their decisions. Uh, so uh, all of these things come into a very complex uh, set of um, uh, circumstances that uh, influence all of these things. And I think that um, uh, are, 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 are there things that are absolutely set in concrete um, I don't know. My feeling is that I, I think that there are um, leanings toward things happening uh, and uh, that there may be destinies that uh, have good chances of, of playing out but are, are still very malleable. Uh, I do believe that there are, is at least one parallel universe um, that exists where 9-11 never happened. Um, oh. And there are pieces of us living in that parallel universe doing similar but different things, and it, it's a very different uh, uh, set of uh, reality characteristics. And from a Buddhist point of view, and especially a Zen point of view, these, um, these parallel realities are spun off all the time. Uh, I mean, you, you, not even by the second, even faster than that. You know, there's a Zen saying that uh, you are not the same person when you finish a sentence as you were when you started it. And uh, so we have the potential for myriads upon myriads and myriads of parallel uh, realities being spun off um, at, at any given moment. 
and I do believe in the multidimensionality of the soul, that uh, we live in um, more than one reality. And uh, so I'm, I'm sure that there are pieces of us um, having simultaneous multiple experiences in um, many realities at any given time. Okay. As for, How do people, let's say, pull to their experience let me say this way, Miss Kylie. I'm trying to think of the correct words for this thing. You mentioned that there are multiple realities. Say, for example, people aren't thrilled with the reality that they're currently in right now. How do they pull a majority of their consciousness to a reality where, say, for example, as you mentioned before, 9-11 didn't happen. How can they pull themselves to a reality where the world is not the way it is in this present reality? How do they pick up and move and pull that to happen? Or is it possible? Uh, theoretically, it might be possible, uh, but we have so little information on just how consciousness operates uh, and really no good answers to that effect. Uh, there are some people who feel that we can experience our simultaneous lives uh, at, at various points, you know, that technically there really is no such thing as a past life because everything happens concurrently. Um, and uh, I, I think a bigger question that needs to be asked is, is that what we are meant to do in this reality? Uh, is there something about this reality that we are meant to um, be focused on uh, rather than trying to leave this reality and remove ourselves to some other re reality where we're already at anyway. And uh, I think that uh, there is at some stage in the evolution of the soul where we are able to pull up to a higher perspective and perceive all, all, all of these things. But the limitations of human consciousness uh, at present uh, may not provide much opportunity to do that uh, for example if uh, if it is true as many people believe that earth is a place of learning and a place of working out karma then um, you're not doing yourself any favors by trying to exit this place and go somewhere else uh, you're you're better off uh, trying to improve your skill set uh, to do the best job you possibly can while you are incarnate in this reality if you were to, if, say for example, America was a person and came to you for a reading, what kind of analysis would you give America? What kind of psychic analysis would you give America? As far the as you know, what do you see? The, uh, the, the founding principles uh, of this country, uh, I consider our founding fathers to be highly spiritualized uh, individuals with great vision. And the forces that they set in motion to create this nation uh, with the um, set of uh, governing agents that we have and the concept of democracy, equality, um, the Bill of Rights for the individual, all of the things that were uh, set into place uh, by the founding of this nation had never before existed upon this planet in one country. And these have to be safeguarded. Uh, there is a spirit of America. Uh, and um, I think that, um, uh, you know, the, this is being tested now in, in this election time uh, where uh, 
we have uh, quite a few people saying, uh, you know, we uh, we are being called to remember our roots and what we stand for and what we are really truly about ethically, morally, and spiritually. This goes beyond, um, you know, selfish concerns. And every uh, everyone in this country, whether uh, it is an entity of a political party or an individual or a group of individuals, um, should have that that compass uh, to uh, to orient itself around, and uh, we're seeing in in the election, you know, this year that um, uh, you know thing, things have. Um, I, I think there are a lot of people who have lost sight of of the vision that this country was founded upon, regardless of who you are for. Uh, in this election, uh, I think we we need to reexamine our um, the, the spiritual principles that this country was founded upon, and ask how we are serving those principles. We seem to be going through a period of um, change, and anytime you have a period of change, there is a breakdown of of a certain degree of order and uh, tumult and chaos while, uh, you know, something else is developed and put into place. Uh, I do not think that America's day is over. Um, Nonetheless, every country has a lifespan, and we have seen this just in the history of the earth, that uh, all of the great nations and powers that um, have uh, risen have uh, then descended, and some of them have come back up again, but in in different ways. And you know, it's a birth, life, and death cycle, and a cycle of regeneration. So, but I think that America has a long ways to go. And um, nonetheless, I I think that uh, we're we're in for a difficult period of of change, and that's why it's more important than ever to keep ourselves oriented around the highest possible ideals. Uh, And uh, we're more plugged into a global picture than ever. And this has uh, more of an impact on us now than uh, human beings ever experienced at any time in the past. Even uh, you could say that even applies to two or three decades ago, that we are so joined at the hip now through uh, the internet and social media, that uh, the reverberations of anything that happens in the world, uh, it affects all of us, not just part of us. And so this is something that humanity as a whole is uh, grappling with and, and going to have to come to terms with. It's not just us. It's uh, all people uh, all over the planet. And uh, challenging times ahead, but uh, one of the things that I feel about human beings is that um, humans are very resilient. And no matter uh, how dark things have been in times uh, in the past, when you look at history, uh, human beings always have the capability of uh, rising above that and uh, coming out on top. And so I have a lot of confidence in uh, the collective human spirit and the collective human consciousness to uh, to take the high road, but it's not an uh, it's not going to be an easy uh, easy thing to do. Okay, as far as individuals, 
leaders or prominent people, do you ever sense, uh, can you sense around a person that they've got light or dark influences around them? And I'm curious to know, in the current uh, era, not just America, but the world, do you sense that there are prominent leaders that have uh, more of a darkness, dark influence or dark beings around them? Because if you, I mean, I just, I, the reason why I ask this is because it, the way, uh, I guess the media portrays it, or the way it seems the world's going, it seems that there's just march to go to another war. And I don't know many people uh, that, that want that. I mean, I'm just, you know, what about the peace? Is there any chance of getting peace? And I just didn't know uh, what your thoughts were or what kind of influences you see or sense around uh, the current leaders of the world and the U.S. Well, there there's always the chance for peace. Uh, I don't think the door is ever closed to that. But uh, I do believe that there are forces of darkness that uh, operate through human beings, and they they have as long as we've been on the planet. And they prey upon people of weakness, uh, people who are greedy for power or money or fame, um, people who want to oppress and manipulate, people who have bloodthirst. Uh, and, uh, yes, I think it is possible for um individuals predisposed in those ways to be influenced by uh, by dark forces uh, and uh, there are uh, entities that I think um, participate in chaos and uh, warfare uh, that are energized by the shedding of blood and uh, encourage people uh, to those ends so um, we are challenge to be very spiritually aware of what's going on and this transcends the uh, agendas of of the uh, daily life and uh, the physical realm that there uh, there's always something going on um, in the higher planes uh, in any given situation and we need we need to be more aware of that Um, the rise of of the internet and social media have encouraged um, large segments of our populations to be mired in the minutia of me, me, me stuff. And uh, that uh, has a potential to be to our collective detriment because uh, human beings have to be united in a collective higher vision in, in order to um, make progress and, and to overcome the evil. In your personal life, what was what are some of the toughest life lessons you had to learn? And it's a two-part question. How did you manage to overcome and heal from your darkest moment? I think everybody goes through a dark night of the soul. Um, and uh, it's also different for every person that, uh, and you may go through more than one in your life, but uh, you you reach a point where um, something uh, significant uh, shakes your life or your worldview to the core, and for um, these can be health crises, money crises, relationship crises, purpose of life crises, um, and um, they can precipitate um a dark night of the soul uh, in in varying degrees. And so, um, you know, we all have it, um, and there are lessons to be learned. Um, I was very young in life when I realized that 
uh, one of the most important, precious things that you have is health. And you can't buy it. Um, and uh, uh, if you haven't got your health, it becomes very difficult to prosper in life. Um, and yet there are people who have been beset by uh, very dreadful health issues uh, and for much of their lives. And uh, my heart goes out to those uh, people because uh, I know the pain and the struggle of um, of, of coping with um, with those kinds of things. Um, so health has been very important to me, uh, and uh, love uh, is also very important because you can't really buy that either. Uh, and so, I think I was, um, you know, fairly young uh, when I learned how unimportant materialism is. And uh, you know, I do not live like a monk. Um, I'm not a Trappist by any means. Um, I don't eschew possessions, but my life is not oriented around the pursuit of pers- uh, possessions or money. Uh, I um, I want to have enough to be comfortable and to pursue my work uh, and to have food on the table and a roof over my head and um, a loving husband, which I have. And those to me are, I never take them all for granted. Uh, They are the most precious things to me that uh, enable me to pursue a a deeply spiritual work. And I consider all of this, uh, even even the paranormal, to to have a profound spiritual component to them. So um, I think those were things that I've all grappled with uh, in varying degrees uh, over the course of my life. Um, I've certainly had opportunities to do other things as a writer that would have been uh, far more financially rewarding than uh, what I'm doing now. And um, I'm glad I didn't take those because um, they would have been spiritually empty. And I think we uh, were often challenged to uh, to find that fine line between pursuit, because money is energy and we have to have money in order to take care of ourselves, our families, to do things, to enjoy life. But um, there is a fine line where a pursuit of money for the sake of money and for the sake of power then becomes very destructive. Uh, and uh, so I think all of us have lessons like that. One thing that you offer as a skill is being able to clear out haunted houses or provide insight. Why are some houses haunted? And can a house actually be haunted by a residual energy of a person who is still alive? Uh, Well, the answer is uh, yes and yes. Uh, There are many reasons why houses become haunted. And um, uh, fundamentally, houses absorb the energy of the people who occupy them. And um, depending upon what happens in a house and the emotional fields uh, of a person, um, that energy can really be absorbed and linger as uh, residual um, uh, things, uh, or it can dissipate over time uh, and, and be replaced by a new set of energy when, for example, new people come and live in a house. There's also energy of land. 
And land has good energy and has bad energy, and that can affect the atmosphere of a house as well. There are spirits who like uh, land with good energy, and there are spirits who like land with bad energy. What's the difference? What's the difference between good energy and bad energy land? Like, why would I? What's the comparable difference? Well, a a house built on uh, land with uh, bad energy would be a place where negative spirits like to hang out. Uh, and there are places like that. There are um, everywhere around the earth. Uh, all people know certain areas to be cursed land, for example, uh, that people do not prosper if they live there because it belongs to something else. Sure. And what would attract so, another? Uh, these, what would attract another? Hmm? What would attract the negative spirits to a particular piece of land or a house? Uh, it could be the configuration of the land. It could be geophysical features. It could be content of the soil. Um, there are uh, certain uh, things that are common to negative areas. They don't necessarily predict a negative air area or make a negative area, but uh, things like uh, tunnels, caves, uh, high water tables, uh, the presence of uh, iron, quartzite, magnetic kinds of things in the soil. Um, if the um, formula is right, then it might, uh, the land itself might generate uh, a f- frequency of energy that is conducive to the manifestation of um, lower energy. And then there are places that are conducive to the manifestation of higher energy. The entire um, art form of feng shui is based upon this, using the energy and the contours of the land and the structures of buildings and the things inside of buildings in order to maximize good energy and minimize uh, negative energy. So uh, these things can be factors in what happens in a house. And then, of course, the biggest wild card of all is people because people bring um, a set of energy with them. Um, consciousness has um, emotions, thoughts, uh, thought patterns. Um, some people can project out into the environment more uh, than others. People who are chronically depressed or angry um, are going to uh, spew a, a whole a negative a field of energy into a house, whereas people are happy and well-adjusted uh, and spiritually minded, have spiritual practices in a house, are going to imbue it with an entirely different frequency. So um, a haunting can be a combination of all of those things. And uh, so remedies for um, eradicating something can depend on the reasons why things are present in the first place and uh, so there are there are some things there are topical remedies that can be useful in many cases but there aren't really any remedies that are 100% effective in 100% of cases because of all of these variables okay so if a person's got their house haunted what are some of the things you recommend doing do they uh, do they sage do they they get a do holy water? Do they get, get a? Um, what, would you, what do you recommend? Some of the first things they should do. Well, the first thing you have to do is figure out what's uh, what's the problem and why is it there. Okay. Um, because um, you know, I could I could t- 
tell you to, um, you know, I could give you a laundry list of things to do, but it might be like uh, slapping a Band-Aid on a tumor. Uh, you know, until you know what the problem is, uh, you, you can't really um, do the right things to, to rectify it. If you, uh, you know, just kind of want to improve the atmosphere of a house um, and things like saging it, uh, putting quartz, some, you know, nice quartz crystals around, um those sorts of things can, you know, it's like glade, kind of freshen up a place. But if you uh, you have some serious presences in a place, um, you know, that's like, um, you know, asking cockroaches politely to leave, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not going to help. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, it's a good idea to, um, you know, kind of spiritually freshen up a house every now and then, and herbs can do it. Um, in folk magic, there are washes that you can wash down the floors, you know, herbal washes and uh, things like that. Um, having a, a sound spiritual practice like daily prayer or meditation uh, will go a long, long way to keeping the energy in, in a place uh, quite good. Um, sometimes a bad atmosphere can, can uh, relate to an object that was brought into a house that had a spirit attached to it. So if that's the case, then the object has to be identified and taken out. Um, there are just a, a whole lot of things that, um, you know, calling someone onto the scene, you know, they're going to run down, a, you know, a, an inventory of uh, looking for um, Things that will help identify what a what a problem is. There are some places that no matter what you do, um, not much is going to change. It might change for a while, but that's fundamentally the way the place is. And then you have to decide whether or not you can live with it. Okay. And one of the topics of discussion you've written about extensively is called it's called scrying. I'm trying to get the pronunciation of it. When you look into a mirror and you gaze and you really focus your time, effort, and attention, did I say it properly? Is that the correct? Uh, yes, that's right. Okay. What is what is that? I mean, can you please explain it to our audience and also explain what the benefits of it are? And also, is there anything you should be careful of by doing that? Anytime you open the door of the spirit world, you have to be careful. Um, a tool is neutral, but um, how a tool is used can determine the nature of the experience. So it's not for entertainment. It's not for thrills. Uh, it requires uh, being well-grounded and focused and having some knowledge of the spirit world. Um, can beginners do things like this? Sure. Um, is someone, is the average person going to have a bad experience? Probably not. Um, and uh, so I think people have a lot of, um, probably unreasonable anxiety about uh, spirit communication because the media feeds on fear. But um, gazing into a, a black, shiny surface is a very ancient technique for opening the door to the spirit world. And uh, so I, I teach black mirror uh, scrying. I've been doing workshops for years. And it's especially uh, helpful for people um, wanting to make contact with the dead, especially for having closure. And it can be a very powerful tool, a very healing tool in that regard. Okay. And the final question I have for you, Ms. Kiley, is what is the best piece of advice you can offer someone who's on the spiritual path? What do you recommend for them to 
enhance or increase their capability of growing, growing faster, and growing more in alignment uh, with love and peace? Um, my piece of advice for people on the spiritual path, and um, I think that'll be my final comment today, um, uh, is to have um, a uh, a spiritual grounding uh, in in your life, uh, regardless of what your uh, religion is or your spiritual philosophy. It's important to have some sort of spiritual underpinning. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you're engaged in the paranormal or the metaphysical. Uh, it becomes paramount uh, paramount importance the deeper you go because uh, no matter where you start, uh, we all wind up uh, heading in the same direction, asking the same questions about uh, why things happen, who we are, why we're here, and what is our purpose. Okay. And so having that spiritual underpinning is, uh, very important because the deeper you go and the longer you are, are on your path, uh, you will be tested. You will be tested by um, human opposition, by spiritual opposition. And uh, the brighter your light, uh, the more attention you're going to attract, positive and negative. So uh, one becomes a spiritual warrior. And uh, having a spiritual center uh, strengthens uh, an individual's uh, focus. Um, it uh, helps an, an understanding of why we're here, what what are we doing with our lives, and how we fit into the big picture. Uh, that's the most important thing we can do to orient ourselves around those matters because then it becomes possible to... Um, uh, to pursue uh, a higher level spiritual work, no matter what we're doing in life. Everything has its spiritual component. Um, one does not need to be a, a writer of paranormal and mis metaphysical and mystical books, for example, to have a spiritual focus. Everyone has a spiritual focus, no matter what we're doing in life. So finding that level of meaning is uh, is very important, and it is achievable through a daily practice of prayer and meditation, especially meditation. Um, in this world of distraction and 10-second mindsets and attention spans, having that ability to calm uh, the body and still the mind for um, a length of time is an invaluable skill and will enable an individual to weather um, upsets, obstacles, and challenges much better and to uh, maintain a better harmony and equilibrium in life. Okay. Miss Rosemary Ellen Guiley, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. You can learn more about Miss Guiley by going to her website at visionaryliving.com. She's here to sign up for a newsletter. She's written incredible books. She's got a lot of events. Uh, Miss Guiley, it was a real honor and pleasure to have you with us today. Well, thank you, Ryan. I enjoyed our uh, conversation. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show. Special thanks to our incredible guest, Miss Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Laura Lynn, Miss Lisa Caza, and Miss Constance Dallas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. So the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace. 
love and beard if you care. Have an unbelievable rest of the week.